I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, the immaculate vibes guy, the one more thing king. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? I want to be excited about this game, but the rookies didn't play very much. So it didn't count. Does it count? I don't know. (laughs) All jokes aside, massive win. I thought it. You know, Harp said at the end of this uh, game, uh, at the after the game, I think that this was uh, the best win all season. I think, in his opinion, I don't know if it's the best. I'd have to stack them up, but I think it is one of the you know top three, top five games of the season for Dallas. And it's another building block game when you're trying to build in your mind what the ceiling of you know of this team is in the current makeup of it. It, this is one of those games because this is a good Denver Nuggets team, a team above them in the standings, a team that we probably all think that will finish somewhere in you know five, six, somewhere through there in the West, if not higher. And the Mavericks played really, really well tonight. Hundred percent. So on tonight's show, Isaac and I are going to break down the Dallas Mavericks one sixteen to one hundred and three win over the Denver Nuggets in Denver. Hopefully, we have not heard yet. Hopefully, everyone's getting out of Denver and not having to stay in Denver this time. Uh, Josh Richardson with a great quote afterwards uh, (laughs) when someone asked him about if he had thought about the last time that they were all in Denver, he had to stay there for, you know, what was it, two, almost three weeks. And he said, you know, I didn't really think about it too much, but when we first started to fly in, I said, man, I don't want to go back to that hotel, but hopefully this time I'll get to leave on time. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> I wonder if it's the exact same hotel that they stayed in. That I'm Dorian, sure it is. Yeah, Dorian, Brunson, Jay Rich all had to stay for the following two weeks. It's crazy thinking because that was the I think that was the turning point of the season for Dallas. You know, the turn down point. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what, yeah, whatever way you want to say turn. But after that overtime win against the Nuggets earlier in the season. And then, bam, three players out. And it was just a – but here we are. Who would have thought? Here we are. Here we are. So we are going to break down this win. Uh, man, I think the first thing we have to say – like, Luca was, was great in this one. 21 points. The stats not working? 12. Okay. The, two, the stats are now working. This is not an eye test only game. For the first – I, I like, was all here for this. I was so excited. When this started <laughs> happening, I even made a joke on Twitter, and I don't think people fully got it. I said – Thank God the stats are back because half our game recaps would have would have been missing. <laughs> Joking that half these game recaps out here are people who don't even watch the games. They're just watching, looking at a, a box score. And uh, I was just nerds out there who are all about the stats. They were just like freaking out, you know, watching like they couldn't even like, dang, I have to turn on the game. What's funny is Brad was tweeting about it like every five minutes with the stats. So at the, in the beginning of the game, ESPN and NBA, like all their stats were down for this game. And so we were making jokes and uh, saying I, I lean this into is the be- nerds thing, too. I, by the way, I'm not actually against analytics. I love analytics, but <laughs> there's a balance between the two. And uh, there are people out there who don't watch games. There are people out there who just want to go by numbers. And uh, 
it forced people. Actually, can you hear my kid screaming right now? I just heard your kid. Very anti-analytics, your child. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm all eye test. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, but Luca, obviously, you know, 21 points, 12 assists. He uh, was, he had a pretty good game. Only three turnovers in this one. Great passing game. Uh, but just like a quiet game for him. I think Porzingis is kind of the standout of this game. 25 points on 10 of 15 shooting, five of seven threes, including a three. A bailout three at the end of a possession that was like 40 feet possibly. I'm actually going to – I wonder if they have uh, that on the, the charts. But, man, an absol- I thought it was just another solid game. And the big thing for him, he guarded Jokic a lot in this game. Yeah. And I thought he did a decent job on him. Right? like I, I like, thought you were going to say what I texted you, didn't I? I texted <laughs> Nick in the first quarter, and I said, I can't tell if KP is getting cooked by Jokic or he's actually <laughs> playing good defense on him but Jokic is just that good because there it felt like it alternated possessions because here's the thing when a player has it in their eye that and you see this all the time when it's like mismatches when you see Luka you know get switched off and like campaigns guarding him or or you know Trey Young or somebody like that you can see it in a player's eyes where like get me the ball it's a mismatch clear it out Jokic was doing that almost every single time down the floor when KP was guarding him. It's like KP's seven foot three and he's treating him like he's like six foot of saying like, get me the ball, ISO it out, let me get to work. But yeah, I mean, Jokic just makes the right play every freaking time or he just bully balls it under, you know, under the goal and just says, hey, I'm just going to score over the top of you. But to your defense, what you're saying, I thought KP did play. I mean, you can only play Jokic, you know, so good. So I, I did think... KP had plenty of possessions that he played good defense on you because at least made it tough for him around the basket when he was trying to score. Yeah, like there's a certain level where Jokic is like Luka, right? You just can't stop him all the time, right? Or really even yeah. sl- like even necessarily slow him down. He's going to get his points. He's going to get his buckets. He's going to kick out. He had 26 in this game, uh, 10 of 20 from the field, only one of five from three, and had 11 assists. Like he's just going to get his numbers. But I thought Porzingis at least showed some, you know, he he's slowed him down a little bit. He slowed the game down. Those possessions where Jokic would just back up Porzingis and then just try and finish around him, I thought that those were good for the Mavericks because it slowed everything down, didn't get anybody else involved. There was no movement on it, and it's just one-on-one. And that that kind of play doesn't doesn't win. Doesn't win you games, I, th- I think. And so, or, or especially, it doesn't help you come back from the deficit that, the, that Denver went in when the Mavericks three started hitting. The other thing the Mavericks started to do on Jokic was they started to send, when he had the ball and held it for like two seconds, like I think they almost had a counter in their head where they would go one, 1,000, two, 1,000, and then they'd go send help. Like Josh Richardson was all over the place. With uh oh by the way Porzingis got the defensive player of the game belt we should mention that too from Carlisle so it c- came from the coaches as well but Josh Richardson would come over and help real quick and that I think got the ball out of Jokic's hands even more and stopped him from you know scoring even even more than that and so they had a plan and they they definitely lucked out by having Jamal Murray have one of his worst games of the season but their their plan on Jokic I think worked for the most part. Yeah, it did. It kind of forced, you know, it also kind of forced, uh, you know, Rick's hand a little bit as far as their starting lineup. Them going Michael Porter Jr., he he was asked about it after the game, Rick was, and Rick said, he's like, you know, putting a seven foot three Porzingis out on the perimeter, you know, to even guard a guy like, you know, Porter Jr. is a little tough. So it almost forced him to guard Jokic. And yeah, I, I thought he did, an, you know, an okay job against him. And, 
you know, when you hear Rick after, you know, after the games, you know, over the past, what, two, three weeks, ever since the, you know, the back you know, spasm stuff, they've just been praising him nonstop and his defense and how much better he looks, how, you know, the energy's there, the effort, everything defensively for KP. So maybe that was a turning point for KP season, you know, coming, you know, with those three back spasm games, he gets out of that. And maybe that's something we look at, you know, weeks from now saying, wow, you know, remember that three game stretch that he missed. And ever since he came back from that, he was anchoring the pain again and playing much better defensively because defensive numbers with him on the floor, not very good. Newsflash, <laughs> uh, especially yeah, not totally. Yeah. yeah, not not very good. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but Porzingis thought was great in this game. He had some uh, really just good buckets, like just solid buckets, turnaround buckets, take advantage of a smaller guy on you buckets. The, uh, you know, just take like he was like almost surgical, like, right. Like it felt precise. It didn't feel like yeah. he was just forcing stuff out there. And that's the kind of ball that you really want Porzingis to play. And when he's playing like that, you know, he's not always going to shoot five of seven from three, but when he's playing like that, he's going to, he's going to, uh, he's going to help this team and raise their ceiling a lot. And that's the kind of Porzingis that the Mavericks really, really need. Um, when you see him in that offensive groove, when he's feeling it and that shot, he, you know, his shot so pretty, when hit and it's and it's so quick, especially for a seven three guy. We've talked about the elevation on his shot and how it's so unique because most seven footers who do shoot the ball, you know, it's more like a set shot, like Ilgauskas back in the day. They don't really jump too much, but for him, he really does get off the ground, you know, decent amount for a seven foot three guy. And the release is so quick. So when he's feeling it like that, there was this, you know, a trailing three on the right wing to where he, I, don't, I forgot, it was like Millsap or Michael Green, whoever it was, just drained it right in his face, like a trailing three. And it, he did like a mini step. It was in the air. He turned around to go back down the floor when it was in the air. That's when KP's feeling it like that. That's when you're asking your, your, yourself the question like, well, dang, who can beat us? You know, you can't, you can't <laughs> help. You laugh at those tweets. I laugh at those tweets sometimes. I see them during the game of saying, dang, when we're all, you know, like this, who, who in the league can beat us? But I'm not gonna lie. I think about it in my head too. I'm like, dang, when KP's like this, we know what Luca is. Jay Rich is playing like this. Brunson's going to say, I'm like, what? This is what <laughs> it's like. This is what we've been wanting and all this stuff. So it was just super exciting watching that. Yeah, it was absolutely great. Which by the way, I mean, Tim Hardaway, 0-5 from three. Brunson, 105 from three off the bench. Like, they didn't really have the greatest games either. Hardaway only eight points. Brunson had 12 points and four assists. But so another game where those guys didn't have their best game. And so the Mavericks weren't running on all cylinders, right? Like, not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they got really good um, con contributions from all their starters, basically. And so coming up, let's get into some more about this game. We'll talk about Josh Richardson. Have to talk about him. I thought he played a really great game. Maybe one of his best as a Maverick, all things considered. So we'll get into that coming up. All right, Isaac. So let's continue to talk about this game. Break it down. Dallas Mavericks win over the Denver Nuggets. Josh Richardson, 20 points, four rebounds, four assists, two steals. He was a plus five in the game, four of five from three, hit four of his four three uh, free throws, and three of his of his rebounds were offensive, uh, at least offensive to the the Nuggets. They were not offensive to me. Josh Richardson and great defense. Rick Carlisle after the game had another quote that uh, that said a lot of people haven't nobody's been talking about it. But Josh Richardson's been playing really great defense, and the quote that really stood out to me that I haven't seen people tweet out is that. 
He said Josh Richardson has stepped up as a leader on the defensive side, barking out mm. coverages, talking to talking to other players, telling them to keep in their defensive stance, that kind of stuff. That's the type of player the Mavericks really, really needed from Josh Richardson, and they're finally getting it. His storyline this season is is fascinating because he came into the season as the defend, at least for us, the definitive third guy. You know, and at least we both thought like we had him over kind of Tim. It's like, all right, not like a big three, not on the same categories like KP and Luca. Like in terms of in terms of importance, right? Not necessarily yes. in terms of one aspect of the of the ball or whatever, but just importance. Yeah. And, you know, up until, you know, this past like week or so, it's like, all right, you know, he was out for so long with COVID and, you know, then looking at the shooting numbers and defensively. But over these past two weeks, you see the importance of him. And you see his impact defensively. You see his impact on a Jamal Murray who went scoreless in the first, you know, first quarter of this game. And I know he had a, a bad game overall in this game, too. But the shooting has been, you know, a huge thing for him. Shooting 32% from three, you know, even listen to some national podcasts, you know, have just ripped on the Mavericks for that Seth Curry, Josh Richardson <laughs> trade. And it's like, oh, they regret it so much. Uh, we have pushed back on that all season, uh, just so the fact that I think Seth Curry's uh uh, time in Dallas was a little bit overrated, but oh well. Uh, but Josh, just his his storyline this season was so fascinating because you look at the preseason too. He shot like what eighty something percent from three, <laughs> and we're all freaking out in the preseason <laughs> saying, "Look at this! The like, Mavs got the best shooter in the trade." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What is going on? Is this what we're gonna have all season?" And you know, it obviously regressed back to the mean sum there for him. You know, at, consider everything considered, but. Seeing so. this version of Josh over these fa- past, you know, week, two weeks. Uh, but even like, I, I want to say this, even part of his story, he hasn't even been closing some games sometimes. You know, yeah. like, Rick's been riding the hot hand, Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway. And all of a sudden, this guy who a lot of us thought w- was that third guy entering the season is now not even finishing games or playing much in the fourth quarter. Like, well, what is he even his status on the team? But one thing you can never take from this guy is his heart and his energy for the team. Because even in those fourth quarter minutes when he's not playing and Brunson and some of these guys are playing over him, he's he's the first guy on the front of the bench over there just cheering his team on, waving the towel, everything over there. And you can tell everybody just loves this guy. So I, I love that aspect of him. And when Rick was saying that tonight about him stepping up as a leader, it all makes sense. Even from us, you know, our... <laughs> viewpoint of it, of just looking at a game and seeing his energy and stuff but it all makes sense you know hearing rick say that because man he just seems like just a heck of a guy just to play with and go to battle with and after the game he gets interviewed by fox sports southwest luca and boban come over and do the photo bombing thing which was has produced incredible memes (laughs) which which we very much appreciate uh boban too big to even photo bomb love (laughs) I love how Boban standing in the view of the camera. You we can't even see squat, his face. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, get down a little bit. Like, Do some framing if you're thinking about how to, to do that. But uh, I thought that that kind of stuff with Luca and Josh Richardson like, kind of a little back and forth. And like you start to see some of the chemistry stuff. Luca and Boban love to be goofy. We haven't really seen Josh Richardson be a goofy type guy. He seems more of a serious type of guy. He came up in a military background. And so, you know, he he's a serious guy here to work. Really, He works really well in the Miami culture and system and all that. And so... Seeing that kind of stuff, I think was was important and uh, and and good. It's a it's a really good sign, and as well as seeing his you know play on the court. 
And hearing that he's become a leader on defense, the Mavs need that. They need a guy that can help this team communicate. They needed some kind of focal point or leader. We thought that maybe you know James Johnson could be that guy, but he's not played enough. He doesn't look like he's a good enough player that he's going to be important enough to the rotation. To James be. Johnson not with the team for personal reasons, by the way. Right, so we hope everything's great with him. Um, yeah, but but tonight tonight not outstanding that the uh, that he's he's not going to be in the rotation enough to be that kind of anchor. And so if, if Josh Richardson can be that type of player, huge huge development for the Dallas Mavericks. Their defense may not get to league average at some point this season, but it could if if he continues to play this way and the Mavericks continue to you know uh, to defend the way that they did. Well, it, yeah, go ahead. Big stretch for him, not only for the Mavs over these five games, but big stretch for him too. Yeah, he gets Jamal Murray this game. These next two games, he's probably going to get Paul George. You know, thinking that you know Dorian will get Kawhi, unless they want to do what it's, they did in the bubble and put Maxi on Kawhi and Dorian uh, on Paul George. It's probably but, a good mix of both, to be honest. I think. Yeah, and then when Portland happens, those two games in Portland, Josh is probably going to get the Damian Lillard, you know, assignment. You know, Dorian will probably you know get it here and there too. But big time for him. We we said you know a while back we're saying we're still waiting for that big defensive type moment for Josh. That we're gonna you know do a post game pod and we're gonna be freaking out saying, man, he locked down blank at the end of that game. And you're like, that's why they went and got Josh Richardson because when they first got him. What were the things that we heard from Rick and Donnie and those guys? It was, we've been looking for a point guard defender to play alongside Luka, and we feel like we found that guy in Josh. So I, I'm ha- I'm happy for him, and it's always fun to see a guy succeed, but it's even better as a you know fan and media person to see a guy that you really like, you know, as a as a guy and a human being. And uh, yeah, when are the community? I, I'm going to butcher the actual award, but I want to say the community award in January. I think it was January. Community Assist Awards. That award. Uh, he won that in uh, January or February this year. So, yeah. Great so, doing great stuff. Uh, the other thing, I think Josh Richardson, it's hard for us to evaluate Josh Richardson because what he does every game is going to be different, right? There's whatever the defense is going to give the Mavericks – he's the guy that kind of has to take advantage. Luca's going to do his same thing every single game. And it usually works, right? Like that's why he does the same thing. Porzingis basically does the same thing every single game. He's going to pick and roll, pick and pop, take advantage of some of his post-up attempts. Josh Richardson either, you know, if they're doubling Luca, then Josh Richardson has to be a ball handler and make a, make a play happen. If they're, you know, they need somebody to come and double on defense, then Josh Richardson is the guy that comes over, or he has to just be on an island and take advantage of a guy defensively. He's asked to do a bunch of different things. So it's hard. He's not going to be a guy that averages like, you know, 18 points a game or something like that. He's not Tim Hardaway, right? He's a, he's a different type of player where he's going to do a bunch of different things. And so I'm going to say that just for anybody that is looking at his stats going, ah, this guy, the three point numbers, for sure, that's something that you want to stay consistent in him to shoot well. And that's been kind of a disappointment. This game, though, four or five from three. But everything else about his game, he's asked to do a bunch of different things. So Josh Richardson, great game for him. Yeah, well, I was going to lump him into the other three starters because you have Luka and KP. We all know what their roles are, blah, blah, blah. But then you look at Josh, you look at Maxi, and you look at Dorian. And like tonight, another classic Maxi game to where, you know, eight points, seven boards, uh, you know, two of four from, from three, 50% on his threes, three of six from the field. He's not going to get a ton of shot attempts. What you hope for Maxi is, hey, can you play good defense? Can you knock down half your threes? Which I know 50% is a high number, 
but he's shooting like 47%. He's almost the there right now. <laughs> he's almost there. So, I mean, this is another classic game from him. He had a big three at the end of the third quarter that I thought was awesome. Josh is a little bit different mold from that of saying, hey, we want you to be three and D, but, but a little bit more. We need you to score a little bit more than Maxi. We need you to create a little bit more than Maxi. We need you to move the ball and like do some things here and there. So, uh, yeah, Josh, he does a lot of different things. And some nights he's going to have that Damian Lillard you know, assignment. But some nights he might not. And he can focus a little bit more on his offense, too. So, And it, it helps when if both of your guys in Luka and KP are putting up 30 a night or you know, 26 to you know, 28 a night, then it takes kind of you know a little bit of the offensive pressure off Josh. Coming up, let's get into some more about this game. Break down the final thoughts that we have about the Dallas Mavericks win over the Nuggets. What it means going forward. The Mavericks win this series against the Denver Nuggets. What kind of um, postseason implications did that game, this game have? Mattered. We'll talk about that coming up. All right, Isaac Harris, this game mattered. The Dallas Mavericks win the series with the Denver Nuggets two to one. They have the tiebreaker over them. So this game matters this game matters a lot um i'm not gonna you do know the what whole, i would have done you know heading i'm not into a game like this i'm not gonna do the whole petty thing where i say man maybe this game mattered a little bit more than a game that the mavericks had pre- played previously maybe this one was the reason why that other Nick, things what about ha- the tiebreaker for with okc though? i'm not gonna do the petty thing i'm just not i'm not gonna get it i'm not gonna go full, full into they it they might lose the tiebreaker with okc though Mavericks are now 20 and 17. They are two games back from Portland for the fifth seed, which is wild. Just crazy. Like fifth is probably the best they can hope this season because that that Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Clippers top is pretty that's a pretty good top four. Know, AD. They could I mean they could get their AD slipping. Clippers or without Patrick Beverly a couple more games here. Um yeah. Well, Shout out to ESPN trying it's so hard to get that narrative train going for LeBron though. <laughs> well, I mean, the, it's so the, pro- the problem is that he they didn't win without AD, so he's not gonna. I mean, he lost my vote like in the stretch in that two week stretch. Uh, but the Mavericks, twenty seventeen, eight games back from the from the one seed, two games back from Portland. They're a game and a half back from the Nuggets now for sixth, and they're only a half game back from the Spurs at seventh. So all of a sudden, the Mavericks are right there, like right in the thick of it, and. At the end of the season, if the Mavericks and Nuggets are tied, they have the exact same record, then the Mavericks would be the higher seed, and that's going to matter a lot, especially since Denver projects to be a team in that same range as the Mavericks. They already have yeah. the they already have the record over the Spurs too, by the way, and that's this Portland two game oh, stretch are going down is yeah. huge, is huge. It yes, it it is huge. I'm glad you said huge that way instead of somebody else, but um, huge. <laughs> No, the Portland stretch is huge. Even the Clippers won too. Uh, yeah, I think Clippers are gonna miss Beverly. Maybe could be wrong on that. Yeah, he's he should be out for both of them. Okay, uh, yeah, he'll be out for the those Mavs games uh, with injury stuff. But yeah, I mean, all all three of these teams, all five of these games will matter because these three guys, you know, these three teams are above Dallas in the standings and. Dallas, you know, it's funny because it's not funny, but you know, what was it? Three weeks ago, Dallas was 14th in the West. And you're like, everybody's looking at it saying, all right, Dallas in this category with the Kings and Wolves and all this stuff. (laughs) Now they've moved up. Knicks fans are running tankathon simulations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Knicks fans love that. It's like, all right, have fun with the, you know, 15th pick. And now they're in that category of Denver, Portland, because like you said, it seems like that, 
those upper four teams have kind of separated themselves a little bit record wise. Not impossible because you know there could be a big injury that could hit one of those teams and they could go down some. But it does seem like that Denver, Portland, Dallas, couple other teams I'm not even thinking of or saying right now is in that group now. Warriors, so, Grizzlies, probably. Yeah, Warriors, Grizzlies, Jaws playing amazing, you know, basketball right now. But yeah, I mean. And realistic note, so I obviously wasn't on the pod on Thursday night. I finally took a game off, like not just a pod off, but like a game <laughs> off. Didn't watch the game in anything. I had family visiting from out of town and just literally I watched. It was the most like brain dump TV show ever of just watching American Idol with my mother. And it was like, <laughs> I don't even care what, about any of these contestants, but it was just like relaxing in a weird way to not was it work. 2004. Right. <laughs> no, it was like the latest season. No, but <laughs> but I'm like, I will watch Lionel Richie. Okay, I I don't care. I just don't want to use my brain right now. And uh, but I got on got on Twitter a few, handful of times, <laughs> saw the discourse happening, and uh, Nick was giving me some updates. And I'm what a game for me to take off, by the way. <laughs> so that was incredible. But going back to the whole sitting thing, I haven't like shared my thoughts on it. And you know, if the whole purpose of that we know the kp stuff setting the luca thing whatever their decision to play it into that yes i get the optics of it it's the second game out of the all-star break you're like blah 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 luca did travel and you know play play an all-star game whatever you want to say play uh in that game but I understood it, I'm, but I also understood the frustration for fans too of saying, why are we just giving this game away? I also understand the frustration of saying, hey, if we're going to like get beat you know, by a lot, why is it Tyler Bay playing? I love Tyler Bay. Why is it some of these rookies? I get all of that. It's just not the end of the world. It's just, we were joking before this is like, is this the Knicks, you know, the Knicks losses from, you know, last season to where they <laughs> lost those two games to the Knicks and everybody's like freaking out all season long saying, oh my gosh, but what if they beat the Knicks? you know, earlier in the season. <laughs> and if the purpose of that was to have these guys rested for this Denver game, a Denver team who you might meet in the playoffs, this could be a, a playoff series, you know, and a team that you could win the tiebreaker with in the standings and all of that, then I get it. And they win this game. Yeah, if they came in tonight and lost by 20, the, the bulls on their back would have been even bigger from fans. But I just, I think it's, we're just we try to find things to get really really upset about sometimes and, <laughs> and they're not I, that big of a deal. I don't even think it was about this specific. I don't even think them sit, Luca and Porzingis sitting for the OKC game was as much about this Denver game as much as it is this whole stretch coming up. Like they needed some kind of they needed some kind of break and this whole stretch coming up of, you know, Denver, the Clippers twice, the Blazers twice. They need those guys for all of these games. And there's probably definitely some injury prevention in there as well. I'm not going to get into this whole thing. I, I'm, I've, I've tried to not to, and it's <laughs> very hard for me. Uh, any other thoughts on, on this game? I think that uh, Jamal Murray, man, like I was thinking this whole time, and I was trying to think of a good way to put it on Twitter. Like, would you rather have Jamal Murray or Porzingis as your second guy? It sort of depends on who your number one guy is. But Jamal Murray is just as inconsistent as Porzingis at times. Like I've I've seen lots of Nuggets fans listen to Lockdown Nuggets, and they get just as frustrated with Jamal Murray at times because he can show the incredible highs like we saw in the bubble, which is probably higher highs than or definitely higher highs that we've seen Porzingis at any point. But there's oh, just well, games yeah. there's just games like this where we see him like, ten points, five assists, and he plays thirty almost thirty six minutes. Right, yeah. and, and he doesn't defend that well. He's getting targeted the entire night by the Mavericks. Luca was just like ripping him apart. But 
it's it's really interesting to see a, a player like that and think like, man, what if that was the second guy on the Mavericks? Would you be more mad if you saw a player's potential at the highest peak and you're mad because they don't play at that majority of the time? Or would you be more mad of living in the, man, what if they played at this level and you never got to see the what if? Because well, I think that's the two differences because Denver saw Jamal Murray play at this like insane level in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous stuff he was pulling off. I would be so pissed off watching him on a weekly basis saying, where is that? Where is Bubble Murray? Where is the playoff Murray? And I, I don't I don't know. But at the same time, we're we've never seen KP at that level. We've never seen KP that far in the playoffs. We've never, you know, any of that. So yeah, I I don't know. I would be frustrated if I was a Nuggets fan. Game before this against Memphis, 32 minutes, three points, five assists, one of 14 from the field. That wow. that tends that tends to make me think that there's something else going on. A couple weeks ago, he scored 50 he points against for Brad Beal. Again, a couple of weeks ago, I saw him score 50 points against the Cavs. Uh yeah, he had a Everybody str- been saying along this whole time how Denver wouldn't give up Michael Porter Jr. for Brad Bill. They're like, nah, but we'll give up Jamal Murray for Brad Bill. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr., man. They the Mavericks were so the other thing that the Mavericks did on offense was they took advantage of Jamal Murray and they took advantage of Michael Porter Jr. a lot too. That one play, Luca He's so bad on defense. That one play, Luca on like the baseline. And when was it? It was like this Dirk play. Luca gets him in the post and then just kind yeah, of fakes a couple passes. He just pa- stood there. Couple pass fakes and Jamal and Michael Porter Jr. is just standing there, and then Luca does the little Dirk fade, and Porter Jr. doesn't even contest it, and Luca hits it. Uh, he also had three early fouls. Which when did he get his third foul? He got the oh eight minutes and fifty three seconds into the second quarter, like the eight minute and fifty three second mark. So like really early in the second quarter, he had three fouls, so he didn't get to play most of the first half, and then. Second half, he had a couple other fouls. They're just taking advantage. And when you have two guys like that that you can take advantage of on on you know defense, that's really bad for your team. And he, he's, but on offense though, he was great. He's, he's nice. Yeah. He was great. He was he was absolutely great. And I don't. Yeah, it, it's that's that's why like team building is so important for the Mavericks. They have to be so specific with who their third guy is because it could end up being like a Michael Porter Jr. type where he's yeah. just given up on defense and you like can't play him at certain stretches. He looks great on offense. Like Again, Michael Porter Jr., 30-point game against the Mavs last time, and this game, 7 of 9 for the field, 23 points and 8 boards. Like He was great. Five fouls, though. And Do you need your third guy to like shots? Because I don't know if he likes shots. He likes shots, 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 shots. LMFAO, he loves shots. So, yeah, this is another thought that I had watching this while seeing him get destroyed on defense (laughs) he also fits in that category of when nick and i used to talk about this whenever whenever we could go like on the court before games as media people uh he fits into that category we used to talk about on the pod of players who are bigger than we thought and smaller than we thought (laughs) and for me porter was i knew i you know obviously i can read a height you know chart of him being 6'10 but seeing him up close his rookie season and just see I yeah the first time I seen him walk out I'm like wow he is every bit of 610 <laughs> 611 he is massive you know and he is like the the Durant type you know Giannis that height you know and that that uh that build and I just remember just walking away from that and we could go all day on that list uh, but I just want to say Campazo did I say it right the last Faku Campazo he could be I guess my daughter doesn't like Composo either because she's <laughs> freaking out. Uh, 
he could be one of the smallest players ever. I actually saw when I, is, when, yeah. <laughs> when Denver came to Dallas uh, back, I don't know, how however long ago, I was there in the building that night this season. And so I saw him in person. And I, he is so dang small. That, <laughs> man, he seems annoying to play against. Yeah. What I mean, just the du- he is the dude that just makes you just want to start swinging on a, <laughs> like on on an outdoor court. This guy's just giving it way too much energy. It's like get off of me. But he would be fun to have on your team. There was a, a point in the fourth quarter. It was about like eight minutes where uh, Composo like stripped Luca and then hit it off his knee, and then it went out of bounds, and Luca was really annoyed. And then the next play coming down, Luca just like totally baits him into this shooting foul. And there's really no reason for Luca to do that. He could have gotten a better shot somewhere else. I think he was just so annoyed at Faku that he just wanted to, he just wanted to get a foul on him. Uh, one stat before we go. The Mavericks, to start the season, they were 9-14. and 14. This is on February 4th. Mm. 33.2% from three. The they were last in the league by a full percentage point. This is from Brian Je- Brian Zeff on Twitter. Thirty three point two percent last in the NBA by a full percentage point since February fourth. So starting at that point till now, the Mavericks are eleven and three, thirty eight point four percent, and they're from three, and they're tenth in the NBA shooting wow. threes. Big turnaround, huge for the Mavs. That's big time. Yeah, because I think last year they were top ten in attempts and percentage. And that's the that's the key. Well, I think they were like, second to, to the Rockets. <laughs> Rockets. Yeah. So there's one thing to be top five in attempts, and then hey, uh, bottom of the league in percentage. Yeah, you got to make uh, them. But yeah, try to be in that top ten. There you go. We'll be back on Monday, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Maps. So boom. You, you you almost feel like you have to foul it if he's going to try and take you to the hoop or to the Baja, as we say sometimes. We do.